Hi, and welcome to the Sassy Toxicologist podcast. I am Dr. Brittany Winner, and apparently not sassy enough, thanks mom, I dedicate this episode to you for obvious reasons, PhD-trained toxicologist who loves true crime and figured, I'll give this podcasting thing a try. What's the worst thing that can happen? (laughs) I hope you've had the chance to listen to my other three episodes on cyanide, botulinum neurotoxin, and nerve agents. No worries if not, but I felt very strongly that Moscato needed to be next. You see, Moscato kills more people per year than cyanide, botulinum neurotoxin, and nerve agents put together. Times about 100,000. Okay, you got me. I just made that number up, but hear me out. Ethanol, the intoxicating substance in alcoholic drinks, is a huge killer. This fact is likely not a surprise to you. However, I'm not really here to judge anyone for drinking copious amounts of alcohol just to get through their day. Uh, uh, Oh wait, that's just me. Kidding. (laughs) But still, no judgment here. The podcast Spirits with Spirits wouldn't be quite as fun if my friends Luis and Allison didn't imbibe a little bit of ethanol during and before their podcast about spooky stuff. Tis the season. Well, as you can imagine... Bad things happen when people drink too much ethanol in a short amount of time. But it also turns out that bad things also can happen when people drink too much ethanol over a long period of time. Remember, everything in moderation. Oh crap, maybe I should rename this podcast the Dr. Debbie Downer podcast because it feels like lately all I do is bring myself down. Anyway... According to the CDC, an average of six people in the U.S. died per day from alcohol poisoning between 2010 and 2012. And three out of four of those deaths are in adults ages 35 through 64. I am slowly but surely approaching 35, which is terrifying, approaching the danger zone, apparently. But most of these deaths were likely from chronic alcohol use conditions such as liver disease, which is also terrifying. Another fun fact is that 76% of those deaths were men, which I actually thought was a bit surprising for some reason, probably because I'm not a man. (laughs) I bet since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the alcohol-related death toll has risen, just like sometimes it feels like the overhaul, overall misery has risen for a lot of people since the COVID-19 pandemic. I am one of those lucky ones because I have a perfect work-from-home job, perfect 10-month-old baby, I mean 11-month-old baby, and perfect uh, dog. (laughs) Just kidding, Patrick. You know I love you. Oh, wait. Why am I apologizing? He won't listen to this podcast anyway. He's too busy to listening, listening to people talk about college football. I'd personally rather listen to someone talk about different types of fungi and regale me with exquisite detail about the molecular reactions occurring during decomposition of dead organisms. No offense to anyone who listens to sports podcasts, but hey, we all got our preferences and for some reason you're currently listening to me wax poetic about ethanol. For that, I am eternally grateful. Back to toxicology. The vast majority of people who succumb to acute, which means over the short term, despite it being anything but cute, 
alcohol poisoning are not probably drinking Moscato. Because there's so much sugar in Moscato wine that I would probably become diabetic or just go into hyperglycemic shock before I even approach toxic levels of ethanol. If I were drinking Moscato, because Moscato wine is only about 5 to 7% alcohol by volume. For real alcohol drinkers like myself, 7% is how you know a beer's about to be good. However, that doesn't mean I won't be in for a rough night after having a little too much Moscato. Not like that's ever happened. Hmm. <clears throat> Ethanol is a very small polar molecule, only about one and a half times heavier than water. And for the record, water is very small. The term polar means that due to its chemical structure, there's an unequal distribution of electrons amongst the atoms that make up an ethanol molecule, leading to one side being more negatively charged than the other. The side that's hogging all of the electrons contains the OH group or hydroxyl group, comprised of an oxygen and hydrogen. By the way, this is also the group that makes the ethanol and alcohol. Due to its small size and its chemical structure, it can slip right through cell membranes. Shoop! That's the sound of it slipping right through cell membranes. By the way, um, for the record, many other large or highly charged molecules can't just shoop right through small cell membranes. So ethanol can do that to reach a plethora of different bodily tissues, including the brain. And it turns out your brain is very important. When you drink a liquid containing ethanol, be it Moscato, vodka, or mouthwash, uh, oh, please, for the love of science, don't drink mouthwash to get drunk, the ethanol gets absorbed through blood vessels in your gut, and some is metabolized by your liver, a little bit more on that later, and the ethanol is distributed through your body via your blood. Remember in previous episodes, I compared the blood to like a lazy river, ferrying oxygen and nutrients throughout your body. Yeah, well, sometimes your blood also ferries the toxic stuff too. Since the brain is highly vascularized, meaning your brain gets a lot of blood because it's hungry, your brain is hungry for nutrients and oxygen because I, for one, can't stop doing important things like extrapolating unrealistic consequences of mundane actions during an existential crisis, laughing slash crying at TikTok videos and breathing, the blood carries ethanol that you drink to the brain where it can really slow things down. <laughs> if I knew how to do cool of voice effects like Luis, I'd use them here, but ain't nobody got time for that. Or rather, this sassy toxicologist doesn't have time for learning how to do cool voice effects, but I'm also clearly not as tech savvy as some of my colleagues. That's okay. Moving right along into a technical-based analogy. Let's liken the ethanol molecule to a program on your computer that's taking up too much memory and slows down the processing power. I know I've downloaded things like clunky free antivirus software that boots along with the computer and consequently it takes five times longer for me to open up a browser window when I boot up my laptop. When it takes longer than like three full seconds, I angrily control out delete and I look at the task manager's performance tab. I see that the stupid free antivirus program is what's making my computer so slow. Well, think of your brain as the computer and ethanol 
is the program that slows the processing power of the computer. I would have likened ethanol to like a virus, except most people don't get computer viruses on purpose, but many of us do unfortunately download antivirus software that's clunky, bloated, and takes up a ton of memory just to save a few bucks. Is it worth it? I'll let you decide. At the molecular level, ethanol binds to a particular receptor in our brain. You can think of a receptor like a lock and a ligand like a key. Ethanol is now the key and the GABA receptor is the lock. Too many analogies? Well, that's too bad. Is that sassy enough for you, mom, or have I gone over the line? I'm sure you'll let me know. Well, the GABA receptor is in your brain for a reason. It's a key part of many inhibitory pathways in the brain. After all, your brain is full of excitatory, inhibitory, and other types of pathways that function in a very complicated three-dimensional circuit that I personally really don't understand very well because, well, the brain is complicated. And that's why this podcast is not the sassy neuroscientist podcast. Someone, please help me understand. Hit me up. Anyway, normally, there's a functional balance between excitatory and inhibitory processes at any given time. And when one pathway is dominant in a given area of the brain at a given time, there are consequences for the function of that brain area, such as increased excitation or depression. However, when you ingest ethanol, it binds to the GABA receptor and tips the balance in your brain towards inhibitory or depressive processes. That's why alcohol is considered a depressant, whereas other drugs like cocaine are considered stimulants. That's also why it slows down your brain. Have I made my point? Well, it turns out if you slow down your brain too much, uh, well, you could die. After all, breathing is controlled by neurons in the brain stem, that weird part of the brain right at the top of the spinal cord that I always forget about. And if you listened to this podcast before, you should probably remember that breathing is like super important if you want to continue to live. So to recap, ingesting too much ethanol all at once can cause key parts of your brain to kind of go to sleep and you might forget to breathe. Yikes. Now, of course, acute ethanol poisoning isn't the only way that people die from ethanol poisoning. Chronic exposure to excessive amounts of ethanol can cause fatty liver disease, alcoholic hepatitis, and cirrhosis. Chronic consumption of excessive alcohol has been linked to many types of cancers, obviously including, including liver cancer. The effects of ethanol on the liver make sense when you think about the fact that the vast majority of ethanol is metabolized by the liver once it's ingested. Your liver is responsible for many life-giving functions, such as making bile to help digest your food, storing sugar for energy, making proteins that help your blood to clot, and, you know, detoxifying your blood. Xenobiotics, or molecules that come from outside your body, are also among the things metabolized by your liver. Ethanol, specifically, is metabolized in a two-step process. The first step is metabolism, metabolism, metabolism into acetaldehyde by alcohol dehydrogenase. Acetaldehyde makes you feel kind of sick and can be responsible for the face flushing I experience after having a glass or two of wine. 
The second step is metabolism of acetaldehyde into acetic acid by aldehyde dehydrogenase. Because the metabolism of ethanol is dependent on these two enzymes in the liver, metabolism of ethanol follows what's known as zero-order kinetics. Essentially, you can't really speed up the activity of the enzymes responsible for clearing ethanol from your blood. Drinking water helps you feel better because you combat some of the dehydration that can happen when you drink copious amounts of ethanol. But the reality is, the entirety of what you drink has to be dealt with by none other than your liver. So try to keep that in mind next time you imbibe. Be kind to the amazing organ that helps keep your body running smooth. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the toxicology of ethanol, a lovely chemical that many of us like to occasionally and or often enjoy, but which can have potentially deadly consequences in the short term and the long term. It's fascinating that we as a species willingly expose ourselves to things that can kill or harmless harm us, but I guess that's just part of being human. Anyway, catch you next time.